Hey, this is Greg of the Philly Blunt. In these unique and different times with COVID-19 and social distancing and quarantining ourselves and all that, we decided to do some live Philly Blunt um, episodes via Facebook Live, which we're calling Bluntcast. And uh, this is the audio version of it. If you want to check these out, we're doing them Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Prime time, sometime between 8 and 10 p.m. We'll usually update our Facebook page with that. I don't know. We hope it helps you get by and entertains you and takes your mind off the craziness in the world right now. This episode features Philly music legend Ken Queter. And uh, sound quality is not normally like we usually do because it is through video conferencing. So we hope you bear with it and we hope it entertains you. And if you do have Facebook, please get involved. We can do real-time comments. We actually can have guests, pull out guests if you want to hop in. And I don't know, we're in this together, so let's have some fun with it if we can. We'll also be putting them up on YouTube so you can check them out. Just search for the Philly Blunt, all one word, and uh, you should find us on YouTube. So wash your hands, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Philly Blunt. My name's Johnny Goodtimes. I'm Reef. Yo, it's great. Uh, how's everybody feeling? <laughs> did you just, did you just, where did he go? <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. He's trying he's doing doing all that, trying to do too much, man. This is perfect. <laughs> Your mic's muted. Your mic's muted, Johnny. Hold on, let me see. All right. <laughs> all right, welcome back to Old Guys Night. <laughs> True professionals here. Yeah, it's just the show where you watch three old guys struggle with technology. <laughs> just trying to make you guys feel better about yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Just uh, still. at the beach. It's nice. Uh, the kids were a little crazy today. We definitely had uh, one of those moments where I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is we're, in, we're in it for the long haul, you know? Just all that energy they have, you know what I mean? Right. Um. But for the most part, it was a good day. Um, ate good. We we uh, went to the playground for a little bit, and I've been listening to a lot of uh, a lot of music from my child. A lot of '80s soul, R&B, funk. Been getting into the uh, Hot Chocolate catalog. You know those guys? Yeah, they're, they're dope. Hot Chocolate. Oh, I believe yeah. in miracles. Where oh, you yeah, from? Yeah, sure. yeah. See, that's their big hit. But like like all a lot of great bands with the big hit. Yo, their stuff is incredible, man. Their catalog oh, is bonkers. Oh yeah, hot chocolate. Yeah. Hot chocolate. You UK dudes, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I saw something today that I thought was interesting. Somebody had posted something that like now's the time to get back into listening to a full album. Right. Because now <laughs> we finally got time again. Yeah. And it was like you know take the whole, you know take the whole thing in. Right. And you know, you you got forty five minutes, so go ahead and and because that's you know, especially albums back then, that was the point. It was supposed to be a listening experience for forty five minutes. It wasn't a three minute hit, and then you know, ten fillers. Right, right. There, I, my my whole thing with that is, I get the new format of like, you know, a lot of people will just drop a single, you know, but I'm still in the the of the album mindset. Like I like a full project, you know what I mean? But I also like it to be concise. A lot of times, like especially in rap, I know they don't do this as much in rock, but like in rap, they'll have like like records back in the day would have twenty four songs on. Twenty four. Like that was like a how long was the average song? Some were three minutes. I mean some of them were interludes. Yeah, yeah, some yeah, of them were yeah. Yeah, like the 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 thirty eight second interludes that everybody hated, right? But you couldn't get past them <laughs> because, like, you know, it was just like the guys in the studio being jerk offs, and like you're sitting there for like thirty eight seconds. But back then, we had tape, we had a tape deck. It's not like you had time to get. It was worth it to stand up and fast forward because you'd just be like, and then it'd be the end of it, and then you'd miss the start of the next song or whatever, right? Yeah, these kids today will just never, they'll never understand, you know. They'll never understand the struggle that we went through to, like, get through a 24-song album. Yeah, an album to a kid. A kid would be like, what's that? An album? They don't, yeah, there's there's no such thing. They have playlists, you know what I mean, and, and stuff like that. But, like, a, a fully realized project from a person, they listen to it <laughs> once, take their favorite songs from it, and, and, and put that on their, you know, playlist or whatever, and that's it. They don't really go back to it, you know? 
Well, why did you, I mean, your last album is an album. Like your last album has a whole structure from beginning to end. And it's, you know, and it's, it's really, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of the album, but like, why did you decide to do that when you knew that everybody's trying to make three minute songs? Why did you decide to make a whole album? Well, because I know my, you know, I pretty much am at the at the point where I kind of know my audience, and my audience is people that are a little bit older. You know, my my music isn't, right. you know, for for like, especially now that I've been working with with a lot of kids lately um, that do music. My style of music is my is it's it's that shit's outdated to them. Like, you know, right. I know that that's that's a crazy thing to say out loud, but it's real. It's like their flow is that like you know the new kind of melodic double time Meek Millish. Uh, sing right. songy, you know what I mean? That's their shit. That's they all rhyme like that, and I, I look at it like this is their, you know, th- their generation's uh, style, you know. But for me, an album is still like it's essential and it's important, and I, I like doing them more more so than anything else. I don't feel like you can just, at least for me, my my stuff always kind of flows into something else. So it's like to just do one song and just drop it and that be that. Like if I drop something, that means something more, more is coming very soon, you know? Right. Uh, what's it like now at the beach going out? Is everybody bugging out, keeping space, distance? It's dead. We haven't actually gone to the beach beach, but like walking around the town, it's completely, it's quiet. But I, I, I'm seeing more and more people start to show up. So I think we're, we're not the only people that had this idea, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm like, I think people, especially people that already have a beach house. I mean, right. why the hell not? Right. You yeah, know, like, why, why do you want to be in a city? Like, yeah. like my thing, like if I wasn't, um, if I wasn't like, concerned about my parents i'd probably just go down to where my parents are right but you know you don't know if you're a carrier so you have to right you can't take that chance my parents are 70 you know and right. like it might not do anything to me but it could be bad for them so because i mean otherwise like what's the point of being in the city at this point you know the whole thing we love about the city is the energy of it and going out and, and hanging out with their friends and stuff like that and at this point all the hanging out i do is virtual Right. Yeah. You know, I could be anywhere on the planet. I mean, what, you know, what is Philadelphia with, you know, like, you know, and then they, they came out last night and they were like, yeah, you know, we're not really going to arrest people anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a second. What are we, what are we hanging around for? People are yeah. crazy walking around. It's like, I just assume I have it. Everyone's like double wide, not, not stepping to the side giving you plenty of room down the sidewalk. And I, I'm a germaphobe as it is. I want my at least three feet between us. They act like they say to act like I have it or the, everyone else around you's got it. Nobody seems to care, man. Everyone's just running by you, walking by you. Yeah. Well, it kind of it's this is this reminds me where we're at right now. I kept it, I keep coming back to that Chris Rock joke about the homeless guy with the funny sign where he's like, "Clearly you ain't been homeless that long cuz you're still making jokes." Right. We 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 haven't been homeless that long, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people are still not it's not until this shit, I think, you know, either, um, God forbid, you know, and I, 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 I don't wish this at all, but I do feel like the fact that there are still such a large group of people that aren't taking it serious, that are still on that shit, where it's just like, yo, bro, like, are you not paying attention? Like, or is it just you, you can't, a lot of people just can't accept what's happening, you know? Right. I think some of it's denial and I think some of it's just not just they just don't care, especially if they're like in their twenties and you the stats at the beach? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. What happened? Stats don't, like they oh, are interviewing the kids at the beach for spring break. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Yeah, that was terrible. They don't care. I mean, they're yeah, 20 like, years just old. Just be the old are. people, isolated, quarantine the old people, man. We're we're fine. We're gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like a combination of the stats say that it doesn't really hurt young people, even though, you know, there, there's health complications, but it doesn't kill young people. And yes. the, uh, you know, and then there's just that basic, like, the mindset of youth. I mean, when we were 20, you know, I wonder, like, would we be taking it as seriously as we are now in our 40s? Like, No, you know, I wouldn't have probably even known about it, man. <laughs> 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 Yeah, hey, been like somewhere with a forty on someone's stoop, like word that's happening right now. That's crazy. <laughs> trying to shake with everybody. Yeah, well, because I wasn't plugged in like that. Yeah. Like people, people find it crazy to believe because of how much I am out of everyone. Most people know, like on my phone, mm-hmm. but I was like one of the last people to get a cell phone or, or 
you know, get on the internet or any of that shit. You know what I mean? I'm still not that good at it. You know, like as far as like, we talk about this all the time. Like it's a running joke that I, I don't have the skills to operate a lot of the stuff that's second nature to people. So back then, I especially wouldn't have been in tune with, you know, none of us were because we weren't all as plugged in as we are now. Cause it's like, we're, we're processing so much information, which isn't a really, it's not really a good thing too. You know what I mean? Sure. Hey, our, our guest is in the waiting room, man. Should we bring him in? Yeah, let's bring him in. We're excited. We got uh, rock legend Ken Queter coming on in the house tonight. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> What's there up, he, Ken? There he is, the man, the myth, the legend. We're connecting to his audio. Let's see Sweet. what he gets in here. <laughs> uh, he does the classic thinking pose. Yeah. Ken, can you hear us? Hey, Ken. Hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, there he is. Yeah, there he is. You're bringing me, you're bringing me into the 20th, the 21st century here. We were just talking about yeah. that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind with technology too, man. Don't yeah, feel, we just don't arrived feel. yesterday, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, I want to just tell you something. I was just listening to the Cornbread uh, podcast that you did. Mm. Yeah. Remember cornbread? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, cornbread. Cornbread was unbelievably influential on me. Like, like yeah. when I was going to school, I would see his tags at every trolley stop, every bus stop. And this is before I got a career together. I thought, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> so, I mean, he was everywhere, and you know, yeah. and like that's when I got the idea to put. A, I put up like ten thousand Ken Cooper posters all over Philadelphia with just my name and a picture of Lee Harvey Oswald on there. And no, no other information, like cornbread. We didn't know who he was, but he was a legend. And I used, uh, you know, carnation milk to stick these things up. And I used mm -hmm. to put them up near his name. So I was tagging him in a weird way, you know. But right, I, right, I, right, I, right. Like, cornbread's always been like mysterious legend. I never met him, but I wanted to tell you, I enjoyed that interview, man. Thank you. Thank you. He's a, he's a very, very cool cat. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, yeah, so you, know, you said you're, you know, you're, you're not really into technology, but it looked like to me, like as soon as things like got crazy, like you were like, I'm taking this, I'm taking this to Facebook, and I feel like you were doing it really before I saw anybody else even doing it. Yes, yeah, something happened. I, I don't know like, when this thing started. I just decided, I don't know. I just did it as a lark, figuring a few people would check in, but a lot of people checked in, and uh, I, I attached a little tip jar and like a virtual tip jar and. It's been working out. It's great. Yes, yeah. People send you like Venmo money and PayPal? Yeah, Ven Venmo, PayPal. And I didn't even know there's something called Facebook Messenger where you can send money. I didn't know. <laughs> I had money sitting in Facebook, man. I was like, oh, my God. I always felt the sense of guilt, but it, that went away quick. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, that shit goes yeah. away quick. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> So let's, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much to cover with you because you've been, you've been rocking in Philly so long. I want to ask you first, though, about the show last night because that was pretty amazing. Uh, you, you, you played Smokey Joe's. How long have you been playing Smokes? Oh, 29 and a half years straight on every Tuesday night. If I, unless I went to Europe, I went to California, I couldn't do it. But it's been almost, it'll be 30 years in about six months. Uh, so that's it, it, and it's it's it starts generally at midnight, you know. What? So I, I, you you know, Johnny, you know, because many times I would come to see you before I would go on, and right. you would by around eleven. I hadn't even gone on yet. So yeah, it's all, it's twenty nine over twenty nine years, yeah. And, and that obviously there's been sort of a, you know, the campus has been shut down. So, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to put this thing up on the internet and see if there's any Penn alumni that might be interested in watching it. And uh, so we, we did it, and we got a huge response from people of, of the 2020 class all the way back to, you know, back, you know, years ago that are in New York or Chicago, you know? Wow. So, so what, do, you, do you feel like, because me, you know, no, go ahead. we're all sort of analog here, you know, like, and all of us, all of us are trying to make this, you know, conversion as quickly as possible. Like, it, you know, obviously it's got to be tough for you because you lost your gigs. I mean, you know, we, oh, that's that's true. we can all relate. Um, yeah. But like, is there a certain excitement that goes with having kind of your back against the wall and having to learn how to do this thing new? I feel like I'm 19 all over again. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I mean, like, yeah. I, you know, and by doing these like live streams, I'm sure you guys are 
or where you have a, it's, you can edit it, you can do whatever. But I mean, I just do it like, like kind of brutally honest. And, you know, I got like goofy, I like puppets and I got, you know, crazy shit like this, you know, <laughs> and, and the guitar. And uh, so I try to make it real sort of like basic and primitive, but fertile, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Play, after you go out at midnight, you play it all closing. What time do you wake up the next day? Well, let me tell you what happens. <laughs> Going to midnight, we play from midnight to like 2 o'clock, maybe a little bit later. No break. Just straight ahead rocking. Then we hang out. we got to break the system down. Then we sit around the bar. We talk. Next thing you know, it's like 3.30. I say to the guys, I'm going to go home. They grab me. They go, you're an old man. You're going to sit here and hang with us guys. So they, I stayed there until like 4. I get home usually around 4.45, uh, you know, whether it's Uber or the guitar player drives me. But so I don't get up. I still get up in the morning, you know, before the crack of noon because I'm <laughs> wired like that. But uh, there's been quite a few times. I mean, I don't remember. Crack of noon. But it's late, baby. And I keep thinking my molecules – are way older than anybody in this building. I'm older than the owner, you know. <laughs> so, what, inspires you, what inspires you to keep performing and keep making music? That, well, that's a good question because, I mean, like, I honestly thought, you know, for a couple of days, I, all my gigs were canceled and I was going, and I kept thinking I got to leave, I have to go through the front door here to go somewhere, but there was nowhere to go. <laughs> and, and I started to think, you know, I'm going to lose my identity if I don't do something. And, mm. and, and, and for me to actually... Like, even if I'm, I'm 68 years old, okay? So it's like, I'm definitely, I don't know how much longer I can pull this off physically, but the thing is, like, I kind of, I kind of, it's almost like cornbread. You need an identity, you know? Yet mm-hmm. I just, I can't just not play unless physically I'm prevented, you know? Right, and and right. It, it's, it's very important to me. Um, yeah. So I'm going to keep doing this until I can't do it, you know? So mm, that's the thing. I like that. And I do, I do love it. And I'm always mixing and matching, meeting new people. Most of the people are younger. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people are like at a pre-cynical age. I love to be around that because they're like they're not like burned out yet, and it's a beautiful thing, you know. Right. It's like right, vitamins. Right. It's like being around vitamins, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you a boost. Yeah, totally, man. Mm-hmm. You know, at my age, I need everything. <laughs> I used to get other kind of boost, you know, a long time ago, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Got you. Yeah, yeah. I read you. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man. So yeah. what? Now where are you so guys? Tell us where are you? Where are you? Where are you uh, broadcasting this from? Where is it? Where are you? Looking? Um, I'm at my lady's aunt's shore house in Seattle. We came down here with the kids to to lay low. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. I used to play down. I know there, right around, right around the corner from the TLA. Okay, cool, cool. And Johnny, you're in uh, like South, you're like twenty graduate hospital. Gra- yeah, I know because like we used to meet up down there. Uh, years, remember? We get some yeah. uh, lunch stuff. You know? I mean, if you haven't noticed, he's sitting atop the Four Seasons, looking down upon the city. <laughs> right, you right, see his right, background, yeah. Ken. You like that? It looks like, it looks like I, I, I got to take another look at that. It looks like something's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks like something. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly <laughs> does. Uh, yeah. Ken, uh, what? Um, uh, tell us. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have any like particular because you've toured with just about everybody. Um, who was, who was your favorite, uh, who's the favorite performer that you ever, uh, got to spend time with, um, on tour or on shows or what have you? Well, this wouldn't even include a tour. This was, I was, uh, I think you probably know this story. I used to drive Tom Waits around. I was his driver. Wow. When he first started. So, uh, I, I don't know if everybody knows who Tom Waits is, but, um, he was an incredible. If they don't, they can't. They can't listen to this podcast. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. On, if they don't, they're on the wrong channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was his driver, and uh, you know, he was a fascinating guy. I drove him for about on and off for nine months. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I got to meet Patty Smith. And I got to meet a horn player through him that actually recorded with Jack Kerouac. Those were fascinating days. Mm-hmm. And the irony of the whole thing is, is that like Tom always had a um, a uh, what would you call like uh he was well known for drinking you know mm. and uh, he, he was like uh he loved the beatnik generation and that whole thing was wrapped around like you know changing your mental attitude on things through substances and booze right. and i was driving him and driving him. then i got i took a little bit of poetic license towards the very end of the nine months when we were in the dressing rooms i used to drink i would out drink him 
And then a couple nights in a row, I woke up in the back seat of my car. He was driving me. I eventually got fired. I got fired by Tom Waits for drinking. The old switcheroo. Sorry. Yeah, true story. So, but I'm not fucking up. I mean, you know, I played with the Ramones and all these. Oh, there we go. Look what we got here. All right. Joining <laughs> daddy. Joining daddy. And let me ask yeah. you, let me ask you know, this, uh, Ken. I read this about you. They said his shows are cathartic, propulsive, and energized, and he's just imitating his mother. Tell us about that. That's true. Uh, I grew up in, in a household where my mother often would talk about the fact that uh, she wished she had never quit showbiz. She really wasn't even in it, but she had a, a knack for dancing or whatever. And uh, it was like, to be honest with you, it was like living with Judy Garland at her completely worst, insane, out of control era. And that was my mother. She was like Judy Garland. And so like when she would speak, to me or to the family at large about how she was frustrated. She didn't, uh, you know, fulfill her dream of being on stage. I thought to myself, you know what, life, does, I don't understand life. I'm going to try to follow in her footsteps. And as I did that, you know, and I, and I got into drinking or whatever, I kind of like was, kinda, I wasn't really imitating. I became my mother at the early part of my career because I was really like off, you know, off the hook, yeah. you know, completely nuts. But in the same sentence, you had to be outrageous, and you have to be outrageous to get any kind of notoriety in the business mm -hmm. I'm in. I knew I was good, but mm -hmm. that, imitating my mom or letting my mom come out, uh, that, that, that gave me more notoriety. I, mm -hmm. I, I did lose a lot of work, you know, but <laughs> I kept coming back to get right. more work, you know. So right, right, right. What, what would you say the biggest differences in the eras of music that you played, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, up till now? Or do you find that it's uh, been um, – uh, there's a difference in, in, in the type of energy that you feel? Or is it a different type of way people play, run their business? Or do you feel like things haven't really changed that much in the industry? Well, I think a lot of things have changed in the industry in terms of, you know, so-called record sales and things like that. But mm -hmm. to me, um, it seems to me that I know that when I grew up, like, like I, I'm from like the 60s and the 70s and, you know, mm -hmm. basically the 60s and the 70s and the very early 80s molded me. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it was almost like when you were in the 60s, you would sit at home and listen religiously to a new album by Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. <laughs> there was nobody interrupting you. It was, that was, you know, like Moses coming down from the mountain. Right, you got the right. Zeppelin album and you're right. going to listen to it right. because you think it's going to illuminate some kind of truth in life that you missed at school. And you really right. believe that. And it, I think for a good part, it was true. And Bob Dylan and the Beatles and all that stuff. So all those things were incredible. And I think in the 70s, it was the same thing in the early, early 80s. And then things still stayed great. But mm -hmm. it wasn't like the cultural, philosophical intersection mm -hmm. that was coming into your ears. It became one of many other intersections. Like right, right now, there's a lot of great music out there. But it, 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 and, and, and there's some great philosophy going on. But people are have so many little toys and gizmos, whether it's this or that, you know, smartphone or whatever, or like the latest, you know, R&B, hip hop, rock music. It's, it, it, it's not center stage anymore. It's on stage, but, but alongside a lot of other uh, things, is what I think. But I mean, but for the most part, if you're, if you're really dedicated, you can find meaning in it. You know, you, there's, a, there's a 15-year-old kid somewhere right now. We're going to hear his name in three years. You know what I mean? Right, but right, you just right, have to right. Be, you have to be irrationally, intentionally, like, like bleeding blood all over your motives to do this. Mm. You know? and, and, and I'm still bleeding. Not as no, much. I'm still bleeding. Yo, yeah. that's, a, that's a jewel right there that you just dropped, man. Like, I feel you 100%. Like, that's, 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 a, that's a very noble and honest uh, way to feel about this because a lot of people just you know they get into it for just the check and the glory yeah. but if this yeah. is something that you genuinely love and have to do to survive it's like your air right so it's like you're still bleeding i got i like that yeah it's true and the thing is i never ever i mean i have to make money to stay alive but it's never been the focal point i mean mm. i in a weird way i took like a comical vow of poverty at the beginning so i wouldn't <laughs> let down so i would never be let down or disappointed so right. it and I've been real lucky. I've been able to, you know, stay alive, you know. Yes, yeah, stay alive, man. I love and it. I, and I'm still bleeding, baby. I'm not going to stop. So I'm know? still bleeding. Ken, yeah. how, many shows, how many shows do you think you've played at this point, uh, Ken? 
Well, um, for, for, there was like, up until a few years ago, I was doing three, I did like, for 10 straight years, from like uh, 2000 and like 2002, there was like 10 straight years, it was 300 shows every year. Okay, okay, every year up until a couple years ago, just up until a couple years ago, and but before that, there was always at least 200. So, if I started playing 200 shows a year in 1977, yeah, I have to add it all up, but it's definitely close to 10,000. I'm assuming that's a lot of gigs, man. It's a lot of driving, too. You know, get, yeah, you know, it's a lot of blackouts, too. Like, you know, <laughs> I get fucking nuts at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? You can't you get nervous on? at all when you go over on stage these days. Nah. Honey, you get any kind of like excitement or nerves before you go out? Oh, I actually, I still, I mean, generally, I don't have any nerves. Last night, I had nerves because there was no audience, essentially. Yeah. So I was like, is this going to work over? I really was nervous for the first 30 minutes. And I'll never not lose the sense of urgency or nervousness because if I did, I wouldn't have respect for my audience. I think I always have to be a little bit nervous to want to, to be as good as I can but there, there's been times where I just kind of you know I was drinking a little bit I, I wasn't nervous <laughs> then you know so whatever so you you had a chance to stop the bleeding kind of you uh a guy who found Santana Simon and Garfunkel Whitney Houston Clive Davis wanted to work with you right that's true yeah he wanted yes yeah. he really wanted to um you told him to fuck stop. off he wanted me to. He wanted me to mellow out. I was young, man. There was no mellow oh, out, man. And he wanted me to not. He wanted me to use words with less syllables. And at that point, I was in the syllables, like lots of syllables. You know, lots of syllables. These old monosyllabic Clive Davis. I didn't know that. That's what well, he wanted. Do you, to, you know. Do you and, think and, that that's one difference between? I know Reef asked you earlier about the difference between music now and music back then. Do you feel like there was. Uh, sort of a <laughs> negative connotation to selling out back then that maybe doesn't apply now. Like it seems like everybody's goal almost is to sell out. Uh, you're absolutely. And I started about I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's almost like um, it's okay. Oh, how are we losing? I don't know. Hello there. Hello. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I just thought that was going to be a total sellout. Like I. People don't realize I worked for the government before I became a musician. And I was mm. just getting tired of taking orders. And the reason I got into playing rock and roll and whatever, I always loved music. But secondly, I, I was a big fan of Jim Morrison and like Zeppelin and, mm. and all these guys were breaking the rules. And I wanted to go somewhere where I made the rules for my art, my music. When Clive Davis told me, oh, no, you got to we're going to put guardrails around you, queer. I was like, fuck the guardrails. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, that's, you know, fuck the guardrails. It's my thing. And it's like, so, um, but that was then, I mean, you know, I, 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 and I still, I mean, I mean, nobody, you couldn't sign me now anyway. I'm too weird. I think, you know, <laughs> even if I tried to sell out, it would probably be too, it'd be like the weirdest right. sellout of all it'd time. It'd be the weirdest, yeah, just be like the yeah, most random sellout. <laughs> like if I tried to sell out and then he lost album sales and shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like a new, brand new type of sellout. You yeah. know, like brand new, you know. How, how do you feel about, how do you feel about touring then and now? Well, I'm not doing too much in that now because I'm driving myself everywhere. Mm. I'm a little bit old. My eyes are getting screwed up. Mm. Um, but I love I, – I, love, I mean, I'll play all over the general area. I'm in New York uh, a number of times each year. I'm in Chicago and San Francisco. I do, like, a lot of fundraisers. I do, they mm. find me all the places to do things. But not. it's not like a, a tour of 30 gigs in 45 days. It's like this, that, that. But most of my stuff, of course, is in the Philadelphia, New Jersey areas mm -hmm. princeton whatever you know right, but there's right, no right. more the old days of touring you know that was a long time ago doing all that yeah stuff. yeah 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 gotcha all right, all right. By the way, where did you like us it's expensive to tour you know yeah. yeah where did you like to go the most when you were touring where was a place that you loved to go uh well, i was in europe uh, a couple of different times and i played a lot I, I i was inside of london and then outside of london and some of the little um place called Little Kimball and High Wickham. There was a lot of places out there that really liked me. I was doing solo back then. That was like the 80s. Then I went in the 90s. I was doing stuff like in Scandinavia, in, in Denmark, Copenhagen, um, Malmo, those places there. And then and then I would just go to Prague. You know, a lot of these things, like, you know, I had someone would help me out and do the booking. And I never really made a whole lot of money, but I had 
the experience. I came back with a little bit, but it was great. You know, mm-hmm. but Europe was tremendous. Of course, but when any time I play New York and places like that, that's that's unbelievable too. And San Francisco, stuff like that. You know. Yeah. When, when, when are you when are you going to write the book? I was think I, I I'd have to get together with somebody else because I did the. Do you, do you remember a couple of years ago? You and I were talking about something. I ended up doing. Like Bruce Springsteen did a thing, Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. So I did a little ha ha. Can Queter not on Broadway? K N O B. Can Queter not on Broadway? So I did about six of those shows uh, in like in the last eighteen months, and they were pretty reflective of like what I have gone through. Each show was different; it wasn't the same. Um, but I'd have to really take a break and and like um, live in a hotel to write the book because that takes a lot of focus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, what was the what was the best story that you told on the uh, when you were doing the one man show? What was your what, what was the story that the crowd liked the most? Uh, let me see. Um, well, they like everybody liked the Tom Waits thing. Um, there's so many. I'm trying to think. You got me on the spot here. Um, the, the whole Did thing, you, like I, when, I, when I worked for the government, right? And this, this goes back to cornbread. We're going back to cornbread. I worked for the uh, before I worked for the government. Everything goes back to cornbread. <laughs> it all well, that's everything. Yeah, yeah. The, the all all things in life kind of just go back everything. to everything. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Television, radio, music. So, so anyway, I, but it's, I was getting so fed up with the government job. I was in charge of food stamps. I was the guy who gave out all the food stamps in West Philly, right? So, um, when I was so fed up, I go, I'm going to just get into rock. I'm going to get into music. I was already doing some music. I'm going to save up some money a little bit. And then I'm going to go get in the music. So while I'm at the government, I'm still I'm rehearsing with the band called The Secret Kids. And then when I finally quit the government job, when I ran out of money, the first thing I did, I went to the food stamp office. <laughs> you came back I, in like, hey, guys, remember me? <laughs> but let me tell you, there was, there was a strategy here. I had already printed up 10,000 Ken Queter posters. Like, like uh, this one right here. Hold on a second. Oh, sweet. Like this, like, Nice. Can Queer with Leo R. V. Oswald on there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I cleaned up ten thousand of these. Then I quit the government office, and I was I'm thinking, I got to get my name up on all the walls like cornbread. So I went. I got the food stamps, and I bought like a zillion gallons of carnation milk, which is proven to be an adhesive. It's a glue. So I glued up all of Philadelphia with my name. With government uh, subsidized food stamps, that was my, <laughs> you know, you know, I did get arrested too. That's another story, but you know, not just for I was doing it under city hall, but that was more <laughs> story. Yeah. You know, the key with the, the key with the food theme, man. I read about your sandwich trick. Oh, the sandwich trick. Yeah, I still do that. I was just up in Ambler, and but you know what? Sometimes you hit a home run. A lot of times you strike out. I spent quite a bit of afternoons buying sandwiches. Like the sandwich trick is like. We, Ken Queter has to get a gig. I'm always gigging. I'm always gigging. And I'm always getting fired, by the way. Always getting fired for whatever. You know? I get replaced by karaoke. You know, um, I, got, I got replaced by something called Pajama Brunch. It was bizarre. <laughs> get, put pajama, get, get out of here, Queter. We got this new thing, like a new distraction. For me. I got replaced by an ATM machine. And then in West Philly, I got replaced by a fire pit. And I drive by that fire pit. The true story is 34th and Market. There's a fire pit I used to play. And they put the fire pit in. When I played, there was always like 11 people. When I drive by there now, there's always like 80 to 100 people having drinks by the fire pit. So they made a good business decision. But this shit goes on all the fucking time. So I'm constantly losing kicks. So what I do, even though I'm, I'm fairly well, you know, over the years, I'm pretty well booked. I know I'm going to get fired. I, I will get fired. So I go out like one day a week or two days a week. I go to a bar that has live music, and I order a sandwich. And then I strike up a conversation. Because the old days, what you would do, you'd give them a press kit, and you would give them, like, um, the CDs and stuff like that. That yeah. don't work no more. You got to do, go in. You got to get the sandwich. You have to bring the guitar case in, and you got to tell them, you just got, I just got back from the Canary Islands. <laughs> I, 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 I was playing in Canary I went down for a month. Like, they kept me there for six months because they thought I was hilarious. I keep, <laughs> keep going back with the sandwich. And the next thing you know, they fucking hire me. But, <laughs> but, but it didn't work in Ambler. We, we, I was up there. I spent about, I don't know, 110 bucks on fucking sandwich. I never got the gig. You know? So you do, the sandwich trick doesn't always work. But yeah. the thing is, I'm looking at it this way. Everybody has to eat, right? Number one, the commandment. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to eat, right? And if the club has live music, you want to eat at the club that has live music. Because number three, you might get a gig. The sandwich <laughs> trick, that's it. 
You know? right. Good strategy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nice. I want to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you said earlier, uh, you were talking earlier about getting arrested. Uh, you've been arrested a few times. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, the one time um, I was, this is an, I actually, like, my career kind of went into the tailspin, like, in the early 80s. So I was back at the government again, right? So I'm back, you know. And then, uh, but it was, was hard on me because, because I had been just living, I just lived like five years of like hardcore Jim Morrison, rock and roll, drug life. So I, I did, I was working on a Friday. I left the, the government job. I had a gig up in this place in the Northeast. The name of the place was Philly Mignon. Like, for like <laughs> <laughs> right? So like, this is like the worst place that anybody's ever played. They hired me, right? So I go up there. I'm in the, you know, I'm in the, I'm drinking Jack Daniels. It's a fucked up place. Nobody knows what I'm doing. So I go into the men's room. I, I, I find out. Somebody there goes, you want to take some two and all? So I'm like, oh, I did. I know two and all. I don't know if you guys know what two and alls are. No, what like, are those? Well, I don't. It's like a quay loop, but more powerful, right? So it's like feeling nice. a barber toy. It's like back in another decade. Anyway, I, I take them. I miss the train. It's a long story. Next thing you know, I wake up like in the roundhouse. Like I don't even know what happened with the broken nose and shit. So it turns out that what happened you know, when they let me out and I got my lawyer got involved, he read to me what happened. And it said that uh, uh, what, used, what I used to do back then, I got off the train, apparently, you know, from the Philly Mignon, right? Mm -hmm. I took the two and all. I was completely smashed. And I, I used to, when it started raining and I would try different car doors on different cars because I would go into any car that was unlocked and sleep off my trunk or whatever I was. I thought that was kind of normal. So, and that worked for, you know, throughout, you know, for a little while there. But this night, the, uh, what happened is I went, none of the cars were open. I don't really remember this, but I, I went into a parking lot. I tried these doors and I got in to this car and I fucking laid down. Little did I know I was being observed because the parking lot that I was in was the Philadelphia police parking lot, 8th and fucking Arch. I picked the wrong. So apparently they tried to get me out. And I was so high on two and I, was, I thought I was home and I was on my back, like fighting the officers and they, they tuned me up. And then one guy hit me so hard, you know, you know <laughs> he, he fucked his hand up. So then I got arrested for assaulting a police officer with my face. They'll do shit like that all day. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, let me, yeah, I, yeah. There's more to the story. I, I'll tell you that in person, yeah. but because <laughs> you know, you know, it's a really long story, but cause they, <laughs> you know, they, they, they knew my nose was up. Huh? Did the charges stick? Fucking right, they stuck. Because what happened? They brought, they had fucked my face up so much that they brought me to what well, there was a hospital next door. It was like cylindrical building. Up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they bring me in there, right? They, it's a trick the cops do sometimes. You know, it's they, they do things. They put a butterfly uh, thing rather than stitch you up because. They knew that I was probably could press charges or whatever. Mm. So I'm laying in bed, right? <laughs> and next thing you know, man, I had been a cross country one. I'm like, my mind's gone. I was a cross country. I'm going to get out of here. So I fucking jump out of bed and I start running the hallways of the of the hospital. Motherfuckers got me, man. <laughs> they got it. So they they definitely pressed charges. And I I was on both. When, when you were when you were running, did you did you know where the exit was, or you were just kind of running back and forth? Like, <laughs> no, no. I went. I knew. I kind of knew it had to be at the end of the hallway. I right. Got so they they got the you. At the, they got they got you at the end of the hallway. They got me. Man, they got me down, baby. And when I woke up the next time, I was on a fucking metal bench, face down. With it must have been fifty feet on the metal chain. They chained me down. This fucking bench it was fucking nuts. <laughs> you know. But I tell you, there's so much. There's way too much. There's a story I want to get. You run around. You gotta write that book, man. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's a lot of that. So, so, so in the hallways in a gown. Pardon me? Were you wearing a gown running through the hallways? Or you oh, no, no, because I was still dressed. They brought okay. me in. Yeah. Um, I mean, believe me, they didn't, there was no, no, they brought me in to get a butterfly stitch, you know? Yeah. And, and, and you know, and then, you know, I lost the case, but our defense, I mean, I actually have the legal thing about the suspect entering the parking lot of the police administration. <laughs> you, know, you know, and the car was an unmarked police car. How the fuck was I going to know? You know? Right, but, right, you know, right. Great. And, and and so then when when you you said you kind of had a rough patch in the eighties, how'd you pull out of that? Oh, because the, the last time I got arrested was like the late the end of the eighties. I was just so it was like 
you know, you're in there, for, like you're always in there for a couple of days, like, you know, like, like on the weekend or whatever. I just got literally, the, here's two things that I, every time I went to jail, and I used to play prisons. I used to play prison Otisville. I did Lewisburg State. Nice. I did all these prisons for a while. And every time I went into a fucking jail, even when I went to play, people knew me in there. And when I was arrested, there was people who knew me in there. Cleaners here, right? So, like, but the thing is, because I, I, it wasn't like I was, like, nervous or anything. I was like, the last fucking time I went in, I was so bored. I, and I was 72 hours of, like, not doing what I want to do. I said, I ain't coming back. That's it. It was just 72 hours, the most boring, dirty, fucked up. And then you got some angry motherfucker, you know, the guys <laughs> with the charge and shit. I said, fuck this. I, you know, I can't do it anymore. You know, yeah, that was right. it. That was it. You know, Good gotcha. Match. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's do a Philly blunt. We're gonna give you rapid fire questions. You're gonna give us uh, quick answers. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right. I think an, I'm an underrated album you take with you to a desert island. Uh, Captain B. Ford's Trout Mask Replica. Hmm. Right. Brief. Oh me. Um, I know. I know you love Morrison, but who who was your favorite front man besides him? Oh, uh, my favorite front man mm -hmm. besides Jim Morrison. Oh, David Bowie is up there. Yeah, David Bowie, mm -hmm. yeah. Because I saw, I saw David in the beginning, so he was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> on Instagram, you follow Penn and Teller. Have you ever tried to be a magician? No, but I remember those guys when they were, you know, in the early days. So, I, I, you know, in fact, they were asking me about the Carnation Milk. That's, how, that's our connection. Yeah. What uh, what what artist would you most want to perform with now? Um, right now, I mean, think um, if I had the opportunity to open up for like uh, the Killers, I would. I like the Killers a lot, you know. Um, mm. And I wouldn't mind opening up once again with for, for you know with Patty Smith, but that's a that's way in the past there. But uh, trying to think who else. Um, um, I'm thinking the kill. I like the Killers, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you prefer to hang when you're at a gig? Backstage, merch table, or the bar? Um, not, I don't do merch, so I'm not. I'm never going to be at the merch table generally. I thought, oh, there has been merch, obviously, but mm -hmm. I don't. I can't. I get nervous when I'm near merch. Um, <laughs> I actually have to take. I took Xanax once. I was trying to sell merch. I had to take all these pills, and I passed out. I was fucked up. Um, so uh, I like to. If there is a backstage, I would prefer the backstage. Mm -hmm. If not, I would probably be at the quiet end of the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you sleep with your socks on? Quite often. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes, you know, because I've lived in some pretty funky situations. Right? <laughs> you had to get, get get running. You had to get running. <laughs> you got to get ready, man. You know, like I, I would feel, you know, for me to put pajamas on, I might have a nervous breakdown. I'm not. <laughs> Uh, one lesson I am still learning is blank. Say this again. What one lesson I am still learning is blank. One lesson I'm still learning. Uh, that's a good question that I still, uh, mm, it. I, it's like, wow. I, I think I'm learning to try to communicate better with people. I mean, with people like, uh, I, sometimes I find myself like I, I know I'm a public guy, public figure, whatever. But sometimes I, I'm really very genuinely shy, and uh, I don't articulate myself as well as I could, particularly around brand new people. For some reason, I don't know why that is. You know, but uh, that if I can c continue to learn, I have improved my articulation, but it's nowhere near where I would like to get it. You know, okay. like to me, if I could just be Peter O'Toole, I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a great aspiration. That's a good aspiration. Yeah. Man, I got good talk, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is it me? Yeah. Um, favorite song to play that isn't your own? Oh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right by Bob Dylan. Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. I, I, I probably played that more than any song uh, I've ever played. I mm. love that song. Yeah. Uh, what piece of advice would you give 18-year-old Ken Queter? Uh, well, it depends on what his interest was. If he was into music, you know, I would say be prepared for, uh, you know, a lot of disappointment. But if you really love it, you know, just keep going. 
and use the brand new tools that are going to be constantly being created to, to further your career, stuff like that. Um, and, and don't, don't let little things stop you, you know, because, uh, I mean, it's, life can, you know, first of all, life, there's no proof that life has any, any particular meaning, but if you can find meaning within life and music's that meaning, don't let anything stop you. So that, that, that's what I'd say. And also make sure you have like a backup plan, like, like, you know, bartending or something like that. So, you, need <laughs> one, you, know, you need money to get, you know, to, do, to get like, like the Ken Quitter, like the shot, like the shot class. Oh man, <laughs> plug that merch, bro. Plug that merch. I got to send it to you guys. I got a whole bunch of them. Um, but so, um, it wouldn't be signed with Clive Davis. Say that again. Would you would, tell no, I would, Clive no, Davis? Because, because then you would surrender whoever you were. You know, I don't want anybody to surrender who they are. You know, yeah, yeah. not at an early age. You know, no, yeah, right, sure. never, yeah. Uh, because you know, I mean, that guy was instrumental in a lot of people's lives. But I, I, I don't think it would have worked out for me because right. we were just definitely from different planets. You know, yeah, man, <laughs> right, yeah, man. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was good on his. He was good on his planet. Yeah, you know, right. And you're good in your planet, yeah. On yeah. the Twitter planet, you know? until yep. two planets when the two planets collide. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when are you going live again? I think maybe tomorrow because I I don't want to do it too many times because I want right. to I want to do some kind of like puppet show and stuff too. You know, uh, <laughs> I got I got you know you know I got the, I've been bringing weapons. Did you know I've been bringing weapons out? You know, I got like no, I did not do that. Like I, I, I got the sword, like the sword cane, like, you know, I got the sword cane, like, I got all the, it makes the show different, because a lot of these other guys in Philly, they're great, but they don't have the crazy humor that I have, it's like, you know, it, it, it's nuts, I mean, like, I got a lot of, like, like what do you call it, uh, props, you know, yeah, so tomorrow, right. I'll probably have a lot more props, I might even read some poetry, I was about doing some poetry, you know, nice. all right, right. What, what poet you like? Oh, got it, um, well, I mean, the best is Shakespeare, but I, but I mean, like uh, A.E. Hausman. Um, I like stuff that's uh, by a guy in Philadelphia, a guy named Paul Grillo. Uh, I'm trying to track down some of the stuff for tomorrow. Um, and the best, by the way, and I'm going to say this now, the greatest poet I ever saw ever, and I think is up there in, in, in the centuries, he's from Philadelphia. His name's Marty Watt. If I can get my hands on some of his stuff, Marty Watt. Marty Watt. Marty Watt, man, he okay. he he is there. Uh, you said he's a F Philadelphia poet. Uh, he's not doing it right now, but he's still. No, no, I mean, you said he's from Philly. He's from Philly, okay. and he started off. We, we started off together, and mm. to this day, I'm, I still keep in touch with him. But he, like, he's at this point, he's talking to dogs and ducks and things like that. I mean, he's like, he's moved into another thing, and but he, he's complete genius. Okay. Complete genius, he, uh, Marty Watt, and uh, that, that if I could get my hands on some of his poetry, it would be great. Okay. He genius. Check him out. Yeah, Marty Watt. Nice. You're out, Reed. Yeah. Oh, um, where's your favorite place to play in, in Philly, or well, past I mean, or present? I mean, I mean, over the years, I mean, I I loved playing. I mean, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, you know, right now, I me mean, Smokey Joe's has been great to me. Uh, and also, right now, there's a place called the Locks in in uh, in Maniac. That's the great listening room. I heard I heard that about that spot. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, there was a place called the Tin Angel, mm -hmm. um, which was great. Uh, J.C. Dobbs, of course, was great. You know, the I used to play in the Philadelphia Ethical Society. That mm -hmm. was great. Mm -hmm. um, there's some. There's a lot of them. But I mean, I mean, at the very top, I mean, I mean, the stuff that really meant the most to me. Uh, I I have to say, in the early days. You know, I mean, there was a place called the Main Point. You know, there, there's all these places that were really mm -hmm. critical mm -hmm. to my DNA, you know. Right. Yeah. What's well, the uh, first thing that comes to mind when you hear the name Robert Hazard? Well, I mean, I, I knew Robert. Uh, he was like a competitor, I guess, a younger competitor. Um, uh, he was great. He was great at what he did. You know, he was uh, – uh, he, he used to come to my shows, you know, when he was young, I used to bring up, let him come to the shows. And, uh, and then when I, I had, you know, after the Clive Davis thing, I broke up with my manager. I gave my manager's phone number to Robert and he made history. I mean, they, they wrote girls just want to have fun. He had a lot of hits. And, um, so I mean, he was great. He was a great, uh, artist, you know, Philadelphia, you know, yeah. unfortunately yeah. died young, died young, yeah. you know? Yeah. So he did what escalator of life. 
Yeah. Es- Escalator <laughs> Life. Yeah, yeah but, but the girls just want to have fun is obviously the one that he's best known for. But um, yeah. 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 And he had like, um, he had a lot of other great songs too, you know, uh, Out of the Blue, um, quite a few other great songs. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, but I mean, he was a huge, I mean, he was, I mean, I did good in, in the 70s and, you know, late 70s, but he like, he was the next, him and the A's were the next thing. And he just took off. He was huge. I mean, right. he was on t- you know, Dick Clark and all that shit. Yeah. You know? right. I never heard of the boy. I'm going to have to check him out. Yeah. yeah, he was great. He was, he was great, you know, really great. Just a lot of great artists. I mean, you know, from Philly, my God. Who, yeah, who is, who, who's your favorite Philly artist? I mean, what, I mean, I mean, like of all time? Yeah. Marty Watt. I mean, the poet. Oh, the poet. Yeah. I mean, that, okay. I mean, that, but then you get then you get into people um, that were kind of. Fam- I mean, Robert Hazlitt would certainly be one of them. Richard Bush from the A's is great, um, and uh, Amos Lee. He's real good too. I love him. He's you know, good. he came out about twelve years ago, um, right. and uh, there's been so many great ones. I mean, the Stray Cats were great. They came from Philly, you know, um, and uh, you know, I'm trying to think who. I mean, like. I'm kind of spacing out right now, but there's a lot right now. I mean, there's, there's great people. Cliff Hillis right now is, is incredible. Cliff Hillis. Um, and, um, Mia Johnson's great. I'm mean, just like, Oh my God, Jim Bozier. Oh my God. Jim Bozier. Ah, 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 ah. I don't know Jim Bozier. Oh my God. Ah, I almost get nosebleeds from jealousy when he plays, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I should be doing that. I thought I was good. I thought I was a good guy, you know? Jim right. Bozier. It's B-O-G-G-I-A. He's, uh, he's incredible. Yeah. All Jim right, Bozier. we'll check him out. Just All right, Cam, well, we thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you so much, and I hope I, I get a chance to see you, like, in the near future when this thing blows over. And, and uh, you know, maybe I'll bring a couple of these for all the guy, all you guys. When yeah. I guess it. Yeah, Ken, where, where can they find you at, Ken, if they want to watch and donate and all that other stuff? Let, well, let them, give them the links. Facebook, yeah. Ken Queter, that's it. K-E-N-N-K-W-E-D-E-R. Facebook, Ken Queter is the best thing to find okay. out, to either see me or, or know what's coming up. And all right. I, you know, thank, thank you guys so much. And thank, I can't thank you yeah, enough. Thank no, you. Keep, yeah, on, right, keep, keep on bleeding, man. I like that. I'm keep keep bleeding. bleeding. <laughs> okay, nose, nose bleed for Jim Bozier. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> night, everybody. Peace. Right. See you, buddy. All right, see ya. All right, love yeah. you. All right. Yeah. Cool. Just the sound of Philadelphia. the home of brotherly love brothers covered in blood the man's office is covered in bugs the youth dreams cut short